Welcome to In the Middle of It. I'm Amy Kelly, and I am passionate about supporting you on the front lines with your middle schoolers. As a former middle school teacher myself and a parent to two teens of my own, I get the roller coaster season that you're in. That crazy making, joy inspiring, incredibly fun, and sometimes frustrating ride of loving the teens in your life. Each week, I'm going to be sharing actionable stories and strategies to encourage and equip you on your journey. If you're a parent or a teacher who's looking to forge a connection that lets your teens know they are seen, heard, and loved, and if you are ready to show up as the grown-up they need, you are in absolutely the right place. Let's get started. Well, hey there, and welcome. I am so excited about today's episode because I am talking with my good friend, Kelly Abernathy, about her debut novel that came out in January of this year, The Aquamarine Surfboard. Kelly is one of my critique group partners and one of the most amazing people I know. If you've been with me a while, you might remember her from episode 40 of the podcast. Kelly is a former business executive, happily transformed into a writer, yoga teacher, and practical life skills advocate for trauma survivors. She graduated from the University of Kansas with a Bachelor of Science in Secondary English Education. Now, again, Kelly and I are talking about her new book today. And before we get to our conversation, I wanted to share a little bit about the Aquamarine Surfboard. This is what you'll find on Amazon about her lyrical, beautiful book, Ebbing and Flowing Between Reality and Magic, Times Past and Present, The Aquamarine Surfboard is a riveting beach tale about opening up to mystery, building community when and where you can, and discovering that the ocean is filled with magic, the really big kind, the kind that changes the world. Okay, I cannot wait to introduce her to you guys, so let's jump in. I am so excited to welcome Kelly Abernathy to the podcast. Kelly is a good friend, and she is also an incredible author, and I'm so excited to be able to talk about her debut release, The Aqua Marine Surfboard, which is a book that came out in early January. She is here today to talk about the book, talk about what inspired it, and talk about how we can use it just in creating connection with our kids and the model that it is of creating connections with kids, because there are some fantastic characters. And as Kelly will share with you here in a second, one of her major themes in this book and in life in general, I would say, Kelly, is to create communities. Without further ado, let me welcome you, Kelly, to the show. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, I'm so thrilled to be here with my good friend, Amy Kelly. So tell us a little bit about you, your work experience, your life experience. You have such a diverse, really interesting Renaissance woman background. So talk to us about you. I don't have a hometown. That's always my first thing I like to say. I grew up moving around and before I got out of college, I had lived in 13 different places all in the U.S., but moving so much as a kid is a big part of my story as a storyteller because I spent so much of the time when I was a kid being the new girl and hanging out in the library where I could find books and then I always had friends. That's my early life. In college, I followed the path of, oh, I want to be a high school English teacher. So I graduated with that degree 
And yet there were no jobs for high school English teachers back then. I ended up leaping into the business world, into telecom, where I spent a great number of years, 32 to be exact, on the wireless side of the business, which was very exciting. The business side fed a certain part of me that is still there today, for sure. But It was only when my mom was sick and my family needed me that I just decided it's time to move out into the world and be more available to the people that I love. And so I did that and it opened up so many more personal connections in my life, but it also gave me the freedom to go back to my younger self, my college self, where I could live in the world of the imagination and get back to all the creative things that really feed my soul. In addition to the creative things that have fed you, I know you've also done a lot of volunteer work. I would love for you to share some of that with us because I know how much it impacted the book that you've written. Yes. When I left the wireless industry, I knew that I had to have meaningful work. So I got involved with a wonderful nonprofit and started working with women and kids who are trauma survivors. I did a lot of practical life skills coaching, a lot of advocacy in the schools, still do all of those things, financial empowerment coaching. And then in 2015, I decided when we wanted to take a more holistic view of our program that I wanted to go to yoga school and become a yoga teacher. So I became a yoga and meditation teacher in 2015. And I have added that to what I do within the trauma community. So I do a lot of retreats and I teach several days a week. The women and kids that I work with are truly so inspirational to me. And the aspect of working within that community and other communities since I left the business world has really taught me how much getting out of your bubble helps you grow, helps you see the world differently. It's just given me all sorts of inspiration. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing all that with us. And I wanted to make sure that you talked about those things, because like I said before, so much of your life experience has gone into this book, but I'm going to start at the very beginning where you started, where you talked about moving around a lot and how so many of your friends lived in the library, because I think when you and I first met, which has been several years now, That is how we connected is (laughs) I shared the name of my daughter, which is Phoebe, which was unusual for someone her age. And rather than bringing up the friends reference, which, you know, 99% of people do, which has nothing to do with her name. You brought up a very obscure Louisa May Alcott book. I still remember it crystal clear because it's a book that I have never heard anyone ever mention or talk about. I, I think it was either Eight Cousins or Rose and Bloom, which is they're both part of a series, but I feel like you and I had the exact same friends growing up. And so I would love for you to talk about how those friends influenced this book that you've written, because I think that you would agree. We've had this conversation before about now that it's written and out in the world, you're finding even more little bits and pieces of those friends that are popping up in your book that you didn't even realize were there to begin with. So talk to us about that, because I just love this part of things. 
Well, you've mentioned Louisa May Alcott, one of our mutual favorites. I guess I'll begin by mentioning the other one of our mutual favorites, although we have many others, Madeline Langle in A Wrinkle in Time, because when I first met you, we immediately bonded over that connection. Yes, Mag is one of our very favorite people. (laughs) I think A Wrinkle in Time for me, the book that I've written was very deeply inspired by the elements of that book because I love that Langle was able to bring in so much complexity into her writing. And she was able to talk about poetry and history and faith and religion, and yet also physics and science and magic. And it was all this beautiful world that she created that's actually a very real world and so much in her writing, even though it was written, what we were just talking about, The Wrinkle in Times in the 60s. We're talking about so many of the things in her work has come true. She's just a shining light to me. I think in a big picture way, I wanted to bring a lot of those elements into my story. At the same time, I do have all these other books that were so important to me that have found their way into, whether it's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, and the fact that Wendy Hollow in my story is definitely a portal, as the wardrobe was in Lewis's writing. And then there's some quirky characters that remind me, one of them in particular reminds me very much of a Pippi Longstocking (laughs) type character. So we have Astrid Lindgren's work. The prevailing message I think that I want people to get from the book comes a lot from Another personal favorite, the Anne of Green Gables series, because from the very beginning, we know that Anne is all about wonder and imagination and color and all the sensory things. So I wanted, definitely that has showed up, but I also think there's elements of Lois Lowry's The Giver, so many different places where I thought, oh yeah, that kind of reminds me of that. Or there's a place in the setting that reminds me of Johannes Spry's Heidi. And yet my book is set in a beach town next to the ocean. So how did I get from Heidi to there? But I did because (laughs) the books that we read as kids stay with us in such a profound way. And I think those books were my best friends. And I think that that's such a huge, important point is that middle school, especially the books we read in those years are so shaping for us. And I think going back to Madeline Lingle, who, if you've been with me for a while as a listener, then you know that she is one of my absolute favorites and an inspiration. I do feel like as I've watched you, Kelly, go through this process of getting your book out into the world, it's been interesting to see how all of those elements that you just mentioned in Lingle's books, where especially Wrinkle in Time, where it's faith and science and love and parents who work, all of the things, I feel like people didn't know which box to put her in. And when people don't know which box you fit into, it becomes a controversy, right? And we were talking before we started recording about how A Wrinkle in Time has been on the list of banned books 
with American Library Association for decades now. And I do feel like I see those same similarities in your work as far as it tackles magic and it tackles spirituality and it tackles several social justice issues, I feel like. And it tackles really loss and grief in a way that I feel like in today's climate, a lot of parents maybe want to shield or protect their middle schoolers from a lot of those topics out of fear, out of whatever the motivator may be. So talk a little bit about that, because I know with publishing this book, it's been really difficult for you to find a spot for it. If you haven't been able to find a box to put it in really either, which I love because I'm all about things are not either or, they're both and. Talk about how that's worked with your book. It's funny you would ask that question today because I just got another little surprise to add to that. That big question of where does my book belong on the shelf? It's basically in the story, the main character is 12 turning 13. And yet I'm so happy that the book has gotten some very good independent reviews, but the reviewers are all over the map with either identifying it as an upper middle grade book or identifying it as YA. And then today I actually saw a posting online where it was classified in one place as children's literature, and it would have been science fiction and fantasy, which it certainly is in many ways. But in another place, it was classified as YA mystery and thriller, which <laughs> it definitely also has mysteries in it. And it has some thriller aspects to it. And you can also make the argument that it has a few other genres thrown in. Oh, for sure. But the YA mystery thriller was a whole new twist in terms of classifying. But I'm pleased with that in the sense that I guess because Madeline Langle is my role model. <laughs> right, right. For sure. Yeah, I think it's a privilege to put it very, <laughs> put it very bluntly that the story is what the story is. And we live in a very complex world. And there's one other thing too that I think I want to throw in here. And that is that in A Wrinkle in Time and some of these other books that I've mentioned, what's been very important to me as a writer is the level of interiority that these authors bring to their work. And they remind the young reader constantly that there's this world of limitless possibilities within each of us. And that we now know our minds are more complex and more complicated, more expansive than what we know about our known universe. And I think that goes back to maybe for me, I know one of the reasons I was drawn to Madeline Lingle, and I feel like you've done the same thing within your book, is that Madeline Lingle always treated her readers as poets and scholars, and I feel like you've done the same where you understand and speak to the capacity in younger kids that I think many adults forget that they have. They don't remember that kids have this amazing capacity to hold all of these ideas and all of the wonder and all of the big questions in their minds at the same time. 
Right. I felt like you've captured that as well. And I feel like several of your characters, the adult characters even, live in that space as well. So this is a good time to talk about some of those characters who I have just found to be absolute favorites. So I would love to start with, you've talked a little bit about your main character. So why don't we talk about her? And then I would love for you to talk about her grandmother, because her grandmother is one of my very favorite characters in your story. And I just want to say this. I hope that this conversation is inviting people in and making them really want to read your book, because it's an experience that it's one of those books where I just want to hand it out to everyone I know. And I pretty much have. (laughs) Anyway, so let's talk about Condi. Condi is a girl who in the beginning of the book, we know that she has experienced great loss and yet she is also a person who is able to comfort herself to some degree through her imagination, through the fact that she lives in this beautiful place, the yellow cottage overlooking the sea in this lovely little beach town. And even though she's isolated herself, she still is able to immerse herself in the beauty of the outside world and to live out in her imagination, her big dream, which is to learn to surf. But as you've alluded to earlier, or if we've talked about at school, she's isolated. And so her favorite place at school is the library where she feels safe and she can live out all those different lives. So she's got the beach, she's got the library, and she's got her dreams. Right. And she lives with her grandmother, Grand Ella. Tell us a little bit about her because she's a favorite of mine too. Condi lives with Grandella in the yellow cottage high on the cliff overlooking the sea. Grandella is a yoga teacher and she teaches yoga and meditation class every morning to a number of people who come down to the beach. And she's that quirky, very lovable person, the grandmother that has been a real rock for Condi during all of her period of loss. But she's also very wise in that she gives Condi a great deal of freedom to make her own choices and to work out her own issues. So I think that's the beautiful thing about Grandella. She's a very balanced, centered person. You can hear the yoga ease in my voice and my descriptions as centering is very important. But I think the other thing that she teaches Condi is how important it is to be connected with all sorts of people. And so Grandella also is that person in Condi's life who is reaching out to everyone in the town and connecting with them in some way. Right. And that's part of what I love with this too. I would love for you to talk about the group of women in the story that Grandella specifically is reaching out to quite a bit, whether it's inviting them to the yoga classes on the beach at dawn, or there are a number of ways that she works with this group of women. I would love to hear you describe it in your words. I'm even hesitating because I know we've had this conversation before. This group of women is older and some might label them as homeless, but they are actually not. And so talk to us about this group of women and the role that they play in Condi's story and how Grandella is maybe the bridge there. The community of women that live on the beach in the high caves on the far north shore 
are known to the townspeople as the beachlings. And nobody really knows how old these women are or what their story is really. They've just been there for as long as anyone can remember. And they're very self-sustaining. They live off what they catch in the sea or what they find cleaning up the beach every morning because the beach in the story is kind of being taken over by a number of resorts. And so there's a lot of new people coming into the town when the story begins. And yet the beachlings are there walking the shore every morning, picking up trash, gathering shells, going back to their caves in the cliffs. And yes, as Grandella would say, is they're not homeless. They have homes. They live in the caves and they are a part of this community. They're a contributing part of the community. And yet there is a great deal of mystery about these women and their stories. And so that's a really special thing to me because I was inspired by seeing several very mysterious older women kind of step out of the fog one morning when I was lucky enough to be on the beach in Laguna Beach, California. So the beachlings were born. That was your inspiration. I love that. I love that. I would also love for us to talk about the boy because there's always a boy, it seems like. And this one, Tristan, is an amazing character as well. Tell us a little bit about Tristan. And I know from what you've talked about before, he also was inspired from your trip to Laguna. So tell us about how Tristan emerged to become part of your book. Even though I've always loved science fiction and fantasy, I never really set out to write that kind of a book. But as you've just said, I was on the beach early one morning doing my yoga practice in Laguna Beach, saw the mysterious women come out of the fog and mist, which if you've been to Laguna Beach, you know, that's kind of a characteristic in the early summer there. And when I looked out to sea, I also saw this surfer boy pop up out of the waves really far out that morning. And the sun was kind of glinting through the clouds and it caught and sparkled on this black wetsuit that he had on. And he just surfed all the way in. And I was awestruck watching this because I hadn't seen him paddle out. I didn't know how he got there. I thought, wow, this is that thing that is just so wonderful when it happens to you because it is a great natural mystery. So that's when Trustin was born, that mystical surfer boy who comes to this laid back beach town and basically not only changes Condi and her friends, but also changes the way the town sees the world. Yes, that's just a beautiful way to put it. So here's a question for you that I was curious about as I was reading the book. When your readers have finished, what is it that you want them to take away? What is it you want them to either feel or think or believe once they finish the aquamarine surfboard? I want them to believe that we are all connected, that we are not separate and independent, but that we are all connected with one another. I want them to believe that despite grief and loss and all of the very real and horrific things that can happen in the world, 
we can come together in very creative ways as long as we're open to how we're the same instead of getting fixated on how we're different. I want them to believe in the everyday magic and actually the possibilities of all the other magics. Right. The magic of science, the magic of fantasy Story. and yeah. science fiction. I mean, not just science, but those are all the magic of all the variety of spiritual beliefs, the magic of poetry, the magic of music, all of those things I want them to. And of course, how can I forget the magic of the ocean? Yes. The great yes. unexplored. We know more about outer space in some ways than we do about the ocean, which is only about 5% explored. So just stay curious. I would say mission accomplished, my friend. <laughs> mission <laughs> accomplished because I felt all those things and I love talking about this book. The next question I have is, are we going to see Condi and Tristan and all our friends from Dipitous Beach again anytime soon? Yes, you are. I can't stop living in that world. I'm having so much fun discovering what's going to happen in each of these kids' lives next and some other new kids that become a part of this wonderful beach town called Dipitous Beach. So as you know, because you're also a writer, a lot of the things that are happening in this next book are very surprising to me. <laughs> Yes. Which is one of the reasons it's so fun to write is because all sorts of interesting things are popping up in Condi's world. Anyway, I'll leave it at that. You talked a lot about being a reader growing up. And I know you and I are very similar. And I think our love of reading and the friends that we made reading have inspired us to become writers as well. So talk to me a little bit about your journey as a writer, your process as a writer, just whatever you'd like to share with us about getting the characters and the world that lives in your head down onto paper. For me, writing accesses some part of myself that is not accessed in any other way. Maybe the closest way is prayer. It, maybe there's an overlap between those two things. I often think that what shows up on the page is prayer, oh, is I connection. Love that, Kelly Abernathy. Oh my gosh, I love that. I guess what I would say to those of us that know and I think you do know if you're called to write and there are many callings in this life, but do it and keep doing it. I have found for me that writing is also, it is a muscle that you have to use if you want to continue to grow in, and be able to express yourself. Yet at the same time, I would also say, and I know you, Amy Kelly, and you've done some podcasts on this, are also a great fan of journaling just that random writing where we just pour it all out on the page. And a lot of times things are revealed during that pouring out. And that may not make it into something published or something that anybody else ever sees, but it is also profoundly important, I think, Agreed. to allow yourself to go to that place and just be in it. It's a very yes. healing place, I found. Yes, I would absolutely a thousand percent agree with you on that. There's something about pulling it out of your head and your thoughts 
And whether you're typing or writing in the old fashioned way, your words pouring out of your hands, like there's just Mm -hmm. something cathartic and healing. Where can we find the Aquamarine Surfboard? And then where can we find you? I would love for people to be able to follow you on your socials and absolutely pick up your book and read it. You can find the Aquamarine Surfboard at all the online bookstores. There are many. You can also find me on my website, kellyabernathy.com. And it's K-E-L-L-Y-E Abernathy.com. So I have that odd E at the end of Kelly. (laughs) And I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Kelly Abernathy Books. And I'm on Twitter at Abernathy Kelly. You can find me through my publisher, Atmosphere Press. Perfect. Atmospherepress.com. I will put links to all of those places and my show notes Mm -hmm. that people will be able to just click and find you there. Make it super easy and a link to your book on Amazon so that they can get it there. Thank you for coming on and talking about your lovely book. That's the one thing that I just really want to communicate to my friends out there, which is one of the things that I love most about your writing is just how lyrical and descriptive it is. I would say it's a very sensational in the true sense of just in the way that it's sensory. It's a very sensory experience to go through and read about Dipitous Beach and read about all these characters and read about Condi's experiences. Speaking of that, which thank you for the lovely compliment first, there is a beautiful discussion guide. My friend, Amy Kelly, this beautiful podcaster lady who's leading the show, hosting the show, helped develop its correlated to core standards, common core standards, grades five through eight. And so if there are teachers and librarians, and I know there are many listening to this podcast, that might also be important to know. That's all available on the website. It is. And you know what? I will put direct links to it as well in the show notes because I'm so glad you remembered to share that because as a former teacher myself, I know how valuable it is to be able to have that kind of resource where really you've done all the heavy lifting as far as writing questions for each of the chapters and coming up with some sensory activities that kids can do that are, again, all related to those common core standards. Thank you so much for being here and going to look forward to interviewing you again when that next book comes out and seeing the continued adventures of the people who live in Dipitous Beach. Thank you for being here with us today, Miss Kelly, and we will see you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Kelly, for sharing with us. I don't know about you guys, but I love hearing about what it looks like behind the scenes for creators like Kelly, their process, how they get their ideas, what inspires them. Now, if you'd like to connect with Kelly, I have shared links to all of her socials and to her website, on the show notes page. And if you want to get your hands on Kelly's discussion guide resource, you can also find links to that in the show notes as well. You'll find all that at theishgirl.com forward slash EP 155. And don't forget if you're a teacher that you'll also find a link to the document where Kelly has correlated her discussion guide and all those questions with common core standards. 
Okay, friends, I am so glad that we got to hang out today, and I am especially glad that I was able to introduce you to my sweet friend, Kelly. She's coming back on the show again next time, along with the third member of our critique group, author Emily Robertson. I'm so excited to have both of them with me to talk about why we love stories so much and how they've impacted us. You definitely do not want to miss it. Until then, from an ish girl who is loving the five minutes of spring that we have here in Texas before our brutal summer, I am so grateful to be in the middle of it together.